Boss Brief, a strategic guide on how not to be an asshole at work. You'll learn about bad bosses, how they can be detected and handled, as well as how to tell if you happen to be one. Join an executive and an executive coach, both artists working in marketing and advertising for over two decades, who are here to offer you the ultimate guide on how to navigate any employment landscape. Here are your hosts, Eugene S. Robinson and Stephanie Payrollo. Welcome to the Bad Boss Brief. I'm Stephanie Payrollo. I'm Eugene S. Robinson. And today we are on episode 21, and this is the gossip show. Only yeah, 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 you know, I heard, I heard from this guy. No, 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 no not really that kind of show. gossip. Okay, right. we are not going to gossip about others. At least that wasn't on the agenda. You never know what's going to happen. We're going to talk about gossip at the workplace. We're going to talk about gossiping bosses, gossipy workplace cultures, and the difference between gossip and management. So that's on our topic today. Do you have any uh, gossip experiences that leap to mind? Um. Yeah. Well, I, I mentioned to him before the guy who ostensibly took out a contract on his wife uh, that it didn't work. So he was not in jail and she was still alive. But this was a pretty active rumor. Uh, he was an executive. So it single handedly guaranteed that pretty much everybody who worked under him was nice to him because <laughs> you never, never know when that moment was going to come where he might decide to try it again. So um, but I've never had. I mean, to me, that's life-saving gossip. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, you've heard. There have been, there, you know, whisper campaigns. And I'm usually the last person to know, like all of the office affairs, which is usually when gossip it tends to trend toward. I've been completely blind to that. It never dawned on me that you would actually have an affair with somebody you worked with. Why would you do that? You're stuck there anyway, right? Yeah. So I guess what I think is interesting when it comes to gossip is to first look at why do we gossip? Right. And I think that there are some reasons that I, I we have to pay attention to. We can't just say there is no gossip without recognizing what is it that gossip serves. Right. I always say this right. to clients and, and to friends. People generally do things that serve them. Right. So if people are gossiping, what is it that it's serving? So the things that I came up with was, first of all, information is power. And a lot of times, especially at, at companies that don't aren't really transparent about what's happening, people, there'll be this information vacuum and mm-hmm. gossip will jump in there. Mm-hmm. Right? Another reason is it really- well, hold, hold, hold on, okay. hold on. Okay, maybe you could help me figure out the difference between information and gossip. Like what qualifies gossip in your mind? Um, I think that gossip is, it's not, I mean, this is, the difference between gossip and management, I think applies here. Gossip is factual and it is moving towards some sort of positive action. I got you. So I think that gossip is usually going to be, in my mind, something about uh, personalities. Mm-hmm. Like you said, you know, who's who's having an affair with who, who has, you know, a drug problem, some of those mm-hmm. things. But right. those can those can leach into actual business problems, right? So one of the big vacuums that I see having spent so many times in advertising agencies is that, you know, a lot of agencies, unfortunately, will have one or two really big cornerstone clients, Mm -hmm. which means that the health, the financial health of that agency rests on the relationship between the client and the agency. 
And if there are problems, right, like a new CMO comes in, everybody knows in advertising that that's a really touchy time for the existing agencies because a lot of CMOs will come in and throw the account to review, people will get nervous. And then they start making up stories. And the stories usually are personality-based. So for example, I'm making this up, right? Totally making it up, not referring to anybody. Joe, who's the account lead on that big account, has been out of the office a lot. I think he's looking for another job. That must mean that the account is going to go and review, right? It's those kinds of things where people get afraid. They don't know what's happening. And in those circumstances, information would be if the senior account person came out and said, hey, I know that there's a new CMO at this account. I recognize how you know dependent we are on that for our financial mm-hmm. stability. What we're doing is we're going to put together a reel of the past work and a proactive look forward for right. their new launch effort, whatever, right? So it's, it's taking that information. There is a new CMO, acknowledging that everybody at the agency knows what that means and getting ahead of it, right? And I think that's the difference between knowledge, or information, and gossip, and where there isn't information where there is a culture that the leaders don't talk about what's actually happening. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where I think that you get that disconnect. Right. In, in other words, rampant gossip. Exactly. Right. And, and people, I, ru- people rush to fill that void. Right. And where, right. what I've seen that's been challenging is that there've been, I've been involved with a couple of cultures where the, I mean, obviously there are things that management can't tell the rank and file. You can't say that Joe is gone for 30 days because he's in treatment for a significant, you know, cocaine addiction. You can't say those things. Right. But I think that there are some cultures where everybody keeps everything so close to the vest that they're that people know that they're not being told the truth. Right. I think there's a kind of healthy transparency and that a lot of agencies or companies that don't do that really kind of they, they set the stage for a lot of gossip. But I think one of the things about gossip, too, is, you know, it's always usually spoken of pejoratively or diminished as, Mm -hmm. you know, it's telling tales. But sometimes Mm -hmm. gossip is a way that people in community express their sense of community, right? Mm -hmm. Because for a lot of people, community is their workplace, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of people stay at bad workplaces because that's that's their neighborhood, right? Like it or not, they feel connected to the people, whether they're working remotely or working at home. So sometimes that gossip is a concern, right? Like, hey, how's how's he doing? I haven't, you know, I haven't heard much from him. Is is he okay or whatever? You know, I, last time I heard, you know, Lily's grandmother was really sick and I know that she raised her and they're really close. How has she been? So I think that there is an aspect where we talk about one another but it's clearly coming from a place of, of genuine concern. And there clearly is a, an acknowledgement that we are a community. However, you know, ruled by capitalism, we are. We're still a group of people that stay in the same place and do things together. Have you ever had the occasion to have uncovered gossip about yourself? Um, uh, yes and no. I mean, generally, I have been in positions in the work world where I'm not liked because of the virtue of the job that I do. Right. So I did new business and new business at, at agencies, for those of you that don't know, requires going to the existing staff of creative and strategists and account people and saying, I know that you have a full time job, 
where you're working 50 hours a week. I need you to now come in on the evenings and the weekends to work more. (laughs) And that pitch is going to be run like a Broadway show. And I am going to be the producer and director. And that just sets you up for, you know, and I would say that to people. I would say that to teams. I'd be like, by the end of this pitch, you're going to hate me. And that's okay. That's all right. I'm okay with that. So part of it was me acknowledging that out of the gate. Um, And I know people talked about me but it does it's it has never really bothered me. I mean, you know that thing when you when you walk into a room and everybody stops talking? Yeah. Right? Yeah. That has happened to yeah. me many times in my Yeah, career. I, I like that. I, there was a great line from that Nicki Minaj song, Sorry to Go Pop on You. She <laughs> goes, When I walk in the room, I want you to sit up straight and I don't care if I was late. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's like I just yeah. Yeah. Stop talking. I'm here. I don't care what you were talking about, but yeah. Well, and I think also, I think especially in early in my career, what I was doing and how I was doing it was transgressive because I was a woman. I was a woman in tech. I was the only woman on the sales team. People talk trash about me and I'm, you know, and there's always been like, particularly when I was younger, there was always an ongoing conversation about who I slept with. Yes. Because I was single, you know, I was a single mom. Yeah, yeah. That went on. And, you know, I wasn't going to agree, disagree. I wasn't doing anything in the workplace, but you just, I don't know. You just kind of get used to it. What about you? Have people, have you found out people gossiping about you? Yes. Yes. They were accusing me of sleeping with the CEO, (laughs) which I wasn't, but that gave me ideas, (laughs) which I hadn't had before. I was like, oh, maybe I missed something. (laughs) But, you know, they were malcontents and uh, and I was running circles around them. So it, it, it was convenient to understand that I was being given carte blanche, not because I was winning awards, but because, you know, because uh, the CEO had decided to sleep with me. So, well, and, and know, I, think it, that- it, I wasn't particularly bothered by it because I was going to st- keep still trying to win awards. So, well, and it's a way to take someone down a peg. Right. Like if I'm coming into the to the workplace and I'm doing something new or interesting or I'm being particularly successful, right. what's the best way to undercut that is to be curious about like who I have sex with. Right. right? And it's also like, yeah, he didn't do this by dint of skill or talent. Well, not not editorial skill or talent, but some other talent. So maybe that's why he's getting away with it, which was, you know, whatever. Yeah. I mean, that's not, but it is. And I think one of the things too, that, that I will say sometimes, especially to younger people yep. is beware of the gossipy people because yes, they're going to do whatever they're saying. If they're talking trash about Liz to your face, when you leave, they're going to start talking trash about you to Liz. I've also found, and you can let me know if this in your experience compares out that the first person to try to cozy up to me on any job is the person that I should least trust <laughs> because they burn their bridges with everybody else. And they're trying to get the new guy in under you know, the cloak of ignorance in it on their side. So it's never, when I was at Apple, same thing, this guy named Jim, the very first person to come up, Hey, we should go do It's always been, I mean, I'm talking about 20 years of corporate research has always been the last person I should really be, you know, affianced to. So, or with. Dude, I guess I, what I found is I remember the childhood dynamics. Like we moved every couple of years. So I changed schools every two years. So I got really good at kind of sizing up the playground dynamics. And I think that still plays into how I work now. But the, the first kids that would try and be my friends were the unpopular ones. 
Right. So, and, but I think that the idea is the first people that want to be friends with you might be the lonely ones. They might be the discounted ones. They might be the marginalized ones. And those can often be really valuable friendships. Yeah. Right. Right. Those can be valuable people, especially because they're usually in the boring jobs like tech. Right. Right. Yeah. The one the one I'm thinking about that I mentioned in my memoir was the one whose father was a head of the local version of the KKK. So <laughs> so he, he had no friends and he chose me early and he seemed like a nice enough guy. But, you know, one day I stayed too long in the house and his dad came home and, you know, he said, get out. And I was like, oh, he's, oh, he goes, oh no, it's OK. We got to eat dinner. And I went home and told my father and he goes, well, that's probably because his father's in the KKK. <laughs> Why don't you, you, you knew that. <laughs> Why would you let me, you knew where I was going. Yeah, little ah, heads up, ah. little heads up. Well, yeah, exactly. And, and one of the things that I think is, and this, this, everybody kind of understands gossip, right? The stuff we're saying isn't groundbreaking in any way, but I think what's important is to recognize the difference between management and gossip. And it is surprising to me how many people don't get this, right? Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to understand it and to name it, particularly if you're a leader, right? So the Mm -hmm. difference is if you are gossiping, it's personal, it's subjective, and usually you are making stuff up. Mm -hmm. If you are managing and talking about a third party who isn't in the room and what you're saying is factual, it's based on their work. And it is connected to some sort of action to help them improve, mm-hmm. then it's management. And a lot of times, you know, because it is of the nature of management that you will have two, three, four people in a leadership capacity who are talking about someone who isn't present. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, a lot of times it just becomes subjective, right? And that's the gossip. So here's here's the difference, right? If you're factual and moving towards action, you might say something like this. Eli has missed the last three deadlines he's been assigned. Mm-hmm. Who is going to talk to him and find out why this is happening and what sort of support he needs and set boundaries for him to understand the consequences of this happening again? Right. Okay. Right. You're acknowledging it's factual. Eli has missed the last three deadlines. The mm-hmm. action is who's going to talk to him and make sure mm-hmm. that nothing mm-hmm. is wrong. He doesn't mm-hmm. need more support and that he understands that this is not acceptable. Mm-hmm. Gossip is... Eli missed another deadline. He has no respect for authority. He thinks he can do whatever he wants because he's a spoiled trust fund baby. You know what he said to me? That's gossip. It's subjective. It's not based on facts. And it obviously is the person who's speaking has a lot of opinions and energy around Eli. And there's no, there's no question of like, what is the action we are taking? I like that. You know, and I think it is important, particularly if you have a culture and you can recognize it immediately. If you have a culture that's prone to gossip, especially if you're a new leader, it's great to be able to name that. Right. So if I heard that second thing about Eli's a spoiled trust fund baby, if I had power and was in leadership, I might say something like, let's let's try to focus on management as opposed to gossip. Or you could just say, let's try to focus on what are the facts that we know and what are the actions that we are taking? Does Eli, has this been an ongoing thing with Eli? Do we need to put him on a performance plan? Is there something that's happening with him? I had a lot of heavy lifting to do in that regard with Code Magazine. It was started by folks from Condé Nast and it was a fashion magazine, which aggressively framed how people dealt with each other in meetings. There was a lot of stalking out of the meetings. There was a lot of uh, uh, just 
massive amounts of backbiting, backstabbing, you know, gossip. And when the people who had started it from Condé Nast left and they put me in charge of it, I had a meeting specifically to address this. And I was like, you know, we are, um, we're, we're stevedores, you know, and the heavy lifting that we're doing is putting out a magazine and all that other stuff has got to stop. If you stand up from a meeting, snap your fingers and walk out the door, that is the last meeting you'll be go- going to, right? I want you to, I want it to stop. I just want it to stop. It doesn't help me get this job done and it doesn't help put the magazine out. If you've got questions that you'd like to ask and ask them now, uh, I'm available always in private. You want to come to my office and talk to me about it, but we really got to stop. And everybody heard. I had one dissenter who said, I think Eugene is a homophobe uh, because I said, you know, the snapping had to stop. And uh, we said, I don't think Eugene's a homophobe. And that ended that. And pretty much everybody's boat was going in the same place at that point in time. So that was it was really nice, too, because prior to I would say that you can never affect change, that people are are, are hardwired into the ways they are. And that's just the way it's going to be. But it actually shockingly, I, it, you know, it surprised me. And I guess maybe it's because I was in a executive position, a position of control, and I had the stick as well as the carrot. But um, it took it took that meeting and then the next meeting was OK. And the meetings after that were pretty uneventful and, and fruitful. So well, it you- took about two meetings to really work. And what you did that was skillful is you were very, very clear about what behavior was was and was not acceptable. Right. And you were also very clear about what the consequences are going to be. You're going to lose yeah. your job. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And no, no you, door slam and none of that shit. I hate it. So right. please stop. And yeah. you are also not a gossipy person. No. And I think I think part of the challenge is that some leaders really enjoy gossiping. Yeah. It, they like it. Yeah. And they, you know, want the people that work for them to come in and give them you know, all of the information, whether it's appropriate or not, whether it's personal or not. Yeah. And and I think that there are people who get really into that and having yeah. a leader who isn't. I mean, I think it's interesting, like both you and I, for most of our, we don't really care what other people think about us, yeah. which means we're not, there's not that sort of like um, hook. Whereas yeah. I think a lot of people do really care about what others yeah. think about them. And they are really like they it's almost like they they want the work version of like likes and retweets. Yeah. Right. Right? Like like, like do like people that. like right. me? Right. Do people right. want right. to be, right. you know, my friend? Do they think I'm doing a good job? And that's where gossip comes in. Because they're like milking their direct reports for some feedback on whether or not people are liking them. Yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I just, I had one advice I had from the CEO who everybody thought I was sleeping with. She said, you have to talk to people. I was like, what? I do talk to them. She goes, no, no, you have to talk to them. Like, be interested in their lives. And I was like, oh, uh, that. <laughs> That's a bridge too far. I can't. Sorry, sorry. So I remember you telling me that like early on in your career saying that, you know, all these people want to come and tell me their feelings. I didn't think manager was people coming and telling me their feelings. I don't care about your feelings. I don't want the magazine to come out, please. Yeah, exactly. So it's but, caused, it's caused, it's caused me problems. I, I, I'm quite convinced that she was right. And had I invested more time, I would had an easier go, you know, tell me about what happened when your girlfriend moved out. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Well, and I think one other point is, what do you do if you're not the boss? 
Right? Yeah. What do you do if you're in an environment where there's a lot of gossiping? And I think you can try a couple of different things if you don't have a lot of power. One is just diverting, right? So back to our friend Eli, you could, if somebody's saying, you know, talking trash about Eli, you could say, you know, I wonder if he's okay. Yeah, right. I wonder if there's anything that's going on with him to in derail his, in his right. home life, Correct. right? Yeah. Like, yeah. this is a human being that we are speaking of. Can right. we, you know, reframe that? I had, I one time worked in an, shared an office with a woman who just, she loved to gossip. It was like her favorite thing. And I tried all sorts of diversion techniques. And finally, one spring, I said to her very seriously, I can't, I can't have that conversation with you because I gave up gossiping for Lent. And she believed me. That's great. <laughs> and she, you know, she's, uh, she was a good person. And she was like, oh, yeah, yeah. I want to help Stephanie in her spiritual practice by not talking trash That's about great. people. Yeah, and it really great. even, you know, I mean, Lent ended, <laughs> but we didn't go back to that. Right. And nice. I think, I think nice. a useful nice. thing, a useful thing to think about in general is the notion of triangulation and triangulation is just simply, if you and I are talking about a third party who is not in the room, yeah. that's triangulation. And I think it's important in work to always be alert when triangulation starts happening. Hey, and I'll, I'll, uh, before we move on to the next segment, I'll give you this little thing that I thought was great. I had a boss from the Wall Street Journal and he said, Eugene, could you come in here for a second? And he's in his office with uh, somebody else from the Wall Street Journal that had come along with him to to the job. And uh, and he said, hey, uh, Kate was just telling me that, that you intimidate her. <laughs> and she's like, I didn't say that. He goes, no, no, you just did. <laughs> so this was it. This is a type of boss that we we've covered before because this was kind of an assholeish thing to do, but at the same time, nobody but nobody would ever gossip with this guy again because he's fundamentally saying we don't have a gossip policy. If you're talking about somebody, I'm going to share it with them. So <laughs> it was, and I think, uh, and it, she was called on at that point with me sitting there to clarify what she meant, which is that you know he's been here so long that I'm you know giving him feedback, it makes me a little nervous. I guess oh, that's fine. That's okay. And I think that the only exception to this, which is important to call out, is that if, you know, if I'm in management and someone comes to me and complains about being harassed or treated mm -hmm. in a way that is unsafe or makes them feel unsafe, yes. Yes, yes. triangulation is fine in that, in that circumstance, yeah. right? Yeah. So right. like right. those are, that's, those are different circumstances. In that case, right. triangulate, figure out that's, that's a, like, take it to HR. Um, yep. So yeah, I think that's the the main stuff about about gossip. Do you have a do you have a fire me? I do. I have a kind of a two two prong thing. Uh, well, actually, I have a fire me to sub Rosa. We'll save sub Rosa for later. Okay. I, and I, I, you know, if, I'm, I'm sure many of you don't do not read my Substack, um, but I I I'm going to go geopolitical here for a second, and I am uh, the recent situation in the Middle East. Um, let's step away from, you know, the rightful emotions surround, surrounding these moments um, and, and look at Bibi Netanyahu as, um, as a leader, a boss, um, as he has been for almost close to two decades now, if not more. Um, and I would have to say, I mean, Hamas is amorphous. I don't really know who the, who, who would be, who would, we would count as a leader of that organization. But I, I uh, um, and I don't think it needs to be said. But I will say it that I, I that I think what happened was 
beyond the pale and horrible. Uh, but I believe that, um, I believe that BB has served his country badly. Um, and I think the techniques of, you know, the, the leadership techniques of bullying, not taking, you know, not, not taking surveys of people, temperatures of the room, not being willing to compromise or to, and I'm talking about just within, in the country, within your own party, within your, you know, your parliament. I think that this, it, it bear, it always bears this type of fruit. It's, it's not, it's not a collective. It becomes a, the diktat of a singular individual at this point, somebody who was looking at um, uh, corruption charges. So I, I have to say that, you know, as bad bosses go, this will provide him a lot of cover um, and a lot of material support. But I don't think there should be any mistake that that um, that he, you know, I, I got shit for supporting Zippy Livni um, and I got shit from Israelis for supporting Zippy Livni. Uh, because they felt that she was an empty suit. She was like the Israeli Kamala Harris. But the reality of it is, I think um, I, I, I think in 2023 that we have to think of different ways to do things. And it starts with getting getting a, a leader who uh, crossing swords is not, you know, is it, 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 not, I mean, I'm thinking about Yitzhak Rabin, you know, rest in peace. But I, I just think, I think this is, Bad bosses in action. And all of the bad bosses globally have been excited about this development, whether it's a bad boss in Russia who has been excited about it, bad bosses in Iran who are putting uh, young women in comas on subways because they don't have headgear, bad bosses in Hungary where Orban is, you know, I'd like to see that tide switch. Um, and in this instance, it seems to. Poland just had their elections and it seems like the bad bosses in charge of the law and justice party which should tell you everything you need to know or maybe are on their way out. So maybe we can see, uh, you know, uh, a tide switch. So that that is my fire me. Sorry. No, no, no apologies. It's interesting because we had accidentally dueling substacks because what I wrote last week was called mm. quiet, which is it's okay not to weigh in on yep. everything. Right? Yep. Especially things where, like me, I don't have a lot of knowledge. Yep. And and what I was suggesting, because what's been interesting to me, and this is shifting right from what you were saying, is that the dialogue around which side are you on and the very mm -hmm. strident demands to pick a side. Yes. That were really kind of crested last week. This week, I feel like on the social media sites that I'm watching, there's more of a like... Generally, let's all agree that killing people in these ways is bad, right. particularly not right? right? There's a little Correct. bit more, a little bit more context. Right. But what right. I thought was interesting was that it seemed as if many people, at least in the kind of work sphere where I'm going to hear about them, right, forgot the mechanics of social media. That <laughs> yes. The, the yes. way that the way that you know our friends uh, Musk and Zuckerberg make yes. their bajillions is by yeah. monetizing rancor. Right. Which means that every incendiary way out there flaming comment is the one right. that the algorithm is going to push to the top. Yep. That's the one that yep. people are going to respond to pro yep. or con. And right. I really felt like in a lot of the people that I'm following on social media, these are marketing professionals. These are people that yep. know the score. They know as much as, if not more, than I do about how social media algorithms work. 
And yet they were, you know, wading in. And it was really disappointing to me because it's like, you know, um, can we just let go of the pretense that we can have a reasoned conversation about anything in the social media? Social media is not a public square, right? Right. Instagram, Facebook, they're not public squares. How how much how much have you ever solved at a bar, <laughs> right? Social media is just an electronic bar. We're not solving anything. <laughs> the Hague is not calling us. We're not being invited to Davos. <laughs> right. You know, I don't have a call here from the Secretary of Defense. Nobody's asking for my opinion about anything or yours. Or you know, I mean, well, so there are ways to get involved and to have your opinion matter. But otherwise, we're just screaming down a Zuckerberg tube, you know, or Musk tube. It's but, pointless. Yeah, and but I heard, I I saw and read and heard multiple times that yeah. if you as individuals or corporations or brands do not clearly telegraph who it is that you support, your Palestinian friends will never speak to you again. You're alienating all the Jews you've ever met. I just, I don't believe that. And, you know, I put this in my Substack. It's like, my friends are not going to stop being my friends because I don't spout off on something, you know, because I am quiet about something where I am not educated and I am not informed. But that was really the language. Like, you're going to lose all of your customers if you don't do X, Y, or Z. Right. And yeah, I think we should retire the hyperbole or at least take a little yep. rest from it for a week. Well, you have better friends. I actually lost a friend this past week. Not over the Middle East, over Ukraine. <laughs> and what was what can you can you tell a little bit more about that? Um, he just burst out with he goes, you've been crapping on my opinion for two years. You've been relentless and disrespectful. And I was like, I'm not having this discussion with you. This is just something that doesn't affect us. It's, it's, he goes, yeah, my son is almost draft age. And if he goes to war, there's going to be hell to pay. And your head is so you, threatening to shoot me. And he goes, well, I'm just saying that. And I was like, you know, then he also somewhere in this discussion admitted that he's bipolar and that his his meds might be off. So there could be that. But at this point now, we are, we are no longer friends. So, Well, and maybe that's not such a bad thing. Not such a bad thing. I don't, I don't feel anytime anybody leaves, I'd never feel bad about it. There Starting with my father. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's what we've got. Anyway. <laughs> on that note, <laughs> anyway, uh, we would love to hear from you. Comments, suggestions, ideas for shows. Sub Rosa, uh, you can reach us at WTF at badbossbrief.com. That's WTF at badbossbrief.com. And we'll see you later. Thanks. I don't- Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Bad Boss Brief Podcast with your hosts, Eugene S. Robinson and Stephanie Payrollo. You can check out more of their work by visiting consigliera.substack.com for Stephanie and eugenesrobinson.substack.com for Eugene. You can also find Eugene at Mr. Sleep 3, that's number 3, on Instagram reach out with your questions, concerns, workcase situations, or suggestions to us at WTF at badbossbrief.com. We personally answer every submission. Be sure to join us at badbossbrief.substack.com every other Wednesday for episodes of Bad Boss Brief and every single week for our Sub Rosa shorts so you can gain further insights into your workplace environments. Until next time, don't be an asshole at work.